0: welcome everyone to the oracle podcast where we talk about psych tech quantified self and philosophy my name is benjamin and i'm here today with jan and today we're going to talk about the topic of democratized finance yes hi everyone Okay, so first question uh, to get this started. Recent developments quite interesting about the GameStop case and the shortage of the uh, GameStop uh, uh, stocks where there was like a tight squeeze of of short positions of uh, huge hedge funds by smaller um, retail investors. What were your uh, thoughts on those recent events, Jan?
1: Yeah, I think it's super interesting because um, this is basically like a clear example of how um, democratized finance or decentralized finance could be a a really big trend that's coming up because... um, for those of you who didn't follow it very closely, there, there's this subreddit called Wall Street Bets, where basically retail investors conspire together in a way to raise the the stock price of GameStop and force some hedge funds to buy at um, highly overpriced prices. I think it's a, it was a very curious example of how the mix of like a few potentially at least uh, politically interested people, combined with an opportunity to make money, really shook up the finance world in a way. The, the initial start was, was a month ago. I think it was interesting how, of course, there were a lot of people who were in it for the, for the gains and for the fun and for the excitement, but there was a lot of people in it for the political idea of giving normal investors the tools that big hedge funds have been using for decades, and for sort of paying back for 2008, where big hedge funds did play very risky games that led to a decline in the economy, which made a lot of people suffer. And so there were people who, who openly stated they were willing to lose money to influence the market in a certain way and exercise power. And I find this uh, very interesting because I think we should think about new ways to give more people access to financial markets um, and also the more detailed things around, around financial markets, because that's where a lot of our world is basically decided. That's where a lot of power is.
0: Do you maybe want to quickly explain, elaborate for not everyone who's familiar with this case? So what exactly happened? Like, what is GameStop? Like, what is the company about?
1: So, I mean, there are different different positions on this. I mean, some people actually somewhat believe in, in the company, but essentially GameStop is a slowly declining company. You probably know they, they sell games offline. And today they're quite active in the, like, secondhand market. They're, they're one of the few companies that that had a lot of uh, PlayStation 5s to sell. So that was a big, um, a big thing. And... Some people on, on Wall Street bets realized that their stock was shorted by like a hundred and thirty percent more, like thirty percent more shares than even existed were shorted. Shorted means people were betting on the price falling, and a short squeeze is basically when you make make sure that the price does not fall, and then the company that was shorting the stock, so Melvin Capital and others, they they have to buy at quite high prices, and that's how they lose a lot of money. And an interesting other short squeeze that squeeze that happened was the Volkswagen Porsche merger situation a while ago, when the when the Volkswagen stock shot, shot up to, I think, like $1,000 even. Typically, it falls again afterwards.
0: Basically, it's a bunch of analysts and rich guys betting on the demise or the failure of certain companies, right? Like in the future. And uh, it's interesting, uh, since you mentioned it, yes, um, of course, I know personally, I know GameStop as well. So I fully agree. To be very honest, I was surprised that they still exist when I heard about this whole news. I thought they already died like a few years ago. Like, to me, they always uh, remind me of this, you know, blockbuster case versus Netflix. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm really curious like how the managing directors and the uh, employees of GameStop, the last three to four years, even motivate to um, get up every morning and, you know, continue their business and not just be like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> Liquidate all our assets and, uh, and try to extract capital, whatever is possible. But yes, uh, COVID obviously pro- has given them like final. Deathblow, blow i think so it was even more interesting interestingly enough wall street bets group of more like i think people from our generation who as you said uh saw that there was a completely over not overemphasized but completely over exaggerated short position on gamestop and it's a mixture so i've read that to some extent they they just wanted to really piss off or troll the hedge fund guys who are responsible for most of the most of the short positions but apparently what i've read is also it's somewhere extra motivated because gamestop Despite not being a successful business model anymore, it still resembles a lot of positive memories for our generation from our childhood, you know, or the teenage times uh, of, you know, like new PlayStation coming out, new games coming out. And, you know, so it's, it's just, I think it's for a lot of people is associated with a lot of good memories from the t- teenage time. So. I'm not sure if the same thing would have happened, you know, like for a very uh, outdated and let's say boring B2B company. So that that gave it some extra spice. That's for sure. But what was the origins? What were the origi- origins for this? And what do you think? What are the learnings, the lessons learned from this for the future?
1: Yeah, so as I said, the, the origins were a um, user analyzing the market. And later on, there was a lot of political stuff added to it. So um, this, this whole payback for 2008 and sort of showing the big guys that we can use the same rules to our advantage and manipulate markets to to our to benefit ourselves. So I'd say those are the origins and then obviously it's fueled with a lot of people jumping on the the running train to participate in the yeah in the financial opportunity. And I think this is actually similar to like the ICO craze. You know, it starts with tech people being passionate about building something new, but then obviously at the height of uh, you know end of 2017, there were a lot of people who did not understand blockchain at all but were just curious about um, joining in. And I think the learnings from this could be really manifold. I think that's why it's so interesting to think about it because it, it could go in a lot of different ways. People could try to sort of limit such volatility, but people could also try to embrace that now. I mean, this, the subreddit has grown from a few hundred thousand people in there to, I think, 8 point something million today. So we could also start to embrace that more people individually want to invest in, in stocks. I think that's a really, really good sign, and especially in Germany where there's only like 5% of all people have shares, so it's, it's lagging behind by a lot. I think there's also consequences for individual companies, so people like the founders of, of Robinhood or a trade republic in Europe have to rethink to what degree they value safety over freedom, so I think this whole shutting down operations isn't as one-sided as it's often portrayed, so I don't think it's... There is this aspect of taking away freedom from people, but I mean, of course, there's also regulatory aspects, and then the third one is that you generally try to protect people because it, it was quite obvious that the stock is not going to stay at $500 per share for, for GameStop, which was at $3 a year ago. So I think they need to reevaluate what their real priorities are because I think they started out from a marketing point of like, we give freedom to people to invest. And now I think they need to reevaluate. okay, how much safety are we willing to give up to give more freedom? So that's another thing that's going to be thought over again. And then on the political side, I think, yeah, but like what things can be done to give, to keep people interested in buying stocks? Because overall, I think everyone can agree. It's a great thing. It's even a great thing for existing investors because the stocks will go up, right? If more people uh, want to buy.
0: How might this uh, change the endeavors of hedge funds and, you know, like shorting as a whole in the future?
1: Yeah, so that's actually another aspect of consequences, right? Very surely they will uh, keep an eye on certain internet forums. Like Wall Street Bats and, and other Reddits, but also probably some Facebook groups and so on. I think it puts you know, this type of sort of like a shitstorm, basically, but in a financial way, on the radar, on the list of, of risks to consider. And probably they will refrain from going after companies like GameStop and, and um, exaggerating the shorting because th- there's surely this emotional argument of, you know, had it not been 130%, but only 70%, it wouldn't have been as emotional a case. But also, it wouldn't have been as financially feasible to create the short squeeze. So, surely they will reevaluate the way they um, create these things. And one could argue that it's made the world a better place because certain very risky things that also contributed to 2008 maybe stop happening now.
0: I'm agnostic on this I'm, I'm curious like so something I've heard over and over again like former hedge fund specialist experts is that they would keep saying like Wall Street is usually really good at adapting to changes you know like into market, to market inefficiency. so uh, I think one thing is for sure that no one is gonna uh, <laughs> short 120% positions on uh, video game related companies in the future anymore <laughs> I think that's <laughs> pretty much for granted yeah so probably change the tactics communications uh, maybe the short positions are not, not that over exaggerated anymore I just think it adds like another variable to, to the algorithm of the market you know i, I think on, in the long run yeah it's interesting
1: yeah also reddit bots and stuff like that i was actually looking up the prices of uh, aged reddit accounts that are actually allowed to uh, post on this subreddit because it was very heavily moderated because um, of this influx of new people and also because of the high risk of manipulation so probably there will be even companies that specialize in analytics and reddit um, manipulate like Hosting strategies and stuff like that to.
0: For sure, it. I mean, I mean, there was actually some. Uh, I've not looked deep deeply into the numbers of the stock acquisitions that happened during the squeeze, but I've heard like also in a few other interviews that some people kept saying that yeah, there was quite a lot of money moved from individual stakeholders. So it's not even clear yet, you know, to what extent maybe this was also part of a manipulation of some other stakeholders with more shares who just wanted to make a benefit from that. I mean, if you would do like very efficient marketing. And I think that's that's the, the variable we're talking about in the future, you know, like maybe some hedge funds, they also take advantage of marketing. Because if, you, if you're if able to convince like uh, a large part of society for emotional reasons or for some sort of campaign you're driving uh, to invest in a certain company in the short term, then if you're able to do this uh, right, then uh, you might benefit yourself, right? Because you can change the market sentiment. So, and interesting, it definitely makes the whole thing even more complex. And again, in the end, it's the, the one with the best algorithms who, and the best assumptions who, who drives the biggest uh, results, I would say. But since we talk about democratized finance, so I think the communication between retail investors or using social media is, is, is one component of, of uh, making finance more accessible for retail investors, for sure. What are other components that entail the democratized finance to you?
1: So I think that this GameStop scenario was only about pricing and about uh... The only actions available were basically buy and sell go long go short and that's pretty much it and it was about fighting against the hedge fund and what i find is even more interesting than the pure you know buying and selling of, of stocks is the actual influence that comes with it because if you buy a share you're not just like on average right there's always a special like different classes of shares and so on but the average share it gives you dividends so future money that comes in based on how good the company performs then market price increases. So if the company performs well, then also maybe the stock price goes up, you can sell it for higher. But apart, and this is what, you know, Robinhood and Credit Republic and all these companies are dealing with. And this is what this was about. But you also get voting rights. And I think it will be super cool if this one example of millions of people getting more interested in finance, spills over into also uh, taking a look at the voting um, of it. Because every year at the annual shareholder meeting, the, yeah, the, the, the votes... Like the people who go there, the, the shareholders, they vote on important points on the on the agenda. They can hire a new CEO, they can fire an no old one, and so on. That's basically a very effective way of how companies are geared, because the CEO is not really in charge. I mean, they're in charge of operations, but the big goals they're they're set by the shareholders, or at least influenced by the shareholders. So yeah, question: Like, would it be possible to add have an app similar to, to Robinhood? Where you also get to influence the company's decisions through your voting rights, because then I could see even more of these GameStop situations happening, where millions of new people get interested in finance and willing to buy stock, although they potentially have never done so before, simply because they want to have the voting rights and the power that comes with it to change company decisions, and this this could be anything, right? I think. The easiest way to start would be things that are big in the news, like you could buy a lot of Volkswagen shares and force them to buy, uh, to build combustion engine cars by 2022. Um, You could buy Bayer and uh, change certain things Monsanto does. And there's a lot of companies that get bad press or companies that get good press that people might want to take a keen interest in in changing. So, um, yeah, such an app, I think, would be super, super interesting to have. Okay, see, so what... ba-
0: so basically, saying that look, every stock you buy is uh, also comes with a voting right
1: to decide on some issue
0: considering the company that might be interesting for you as a as a, as a shareholder, right? Yeah. Um, do you think that's something most people are aware? Of? Like, do you no. think most people who know that they can buy stocks also know that stocks, from like from a logic perspective, come from the perspective of you being partially an owner, meaning you being partially able to dis- also have a say of what to do and that on a theoretical level from the cleaning lady to the CEO that they're all like you
1: employees, like, you know, because yeah. you're the shareholder perspective. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think people don't like, and, and there's two reasons, right? The ones that know that factually that's the case probably think that, well, I have one share and my one share, or my 10 shares, they're not really going to influence it. And they're right. Because if you look at what happens in the normal annual shareholder meeting, there's a few guys representing most of the shares and they, they just dominate what's happening. And, but I would say that's a matter of like having an app where the opinion of millions of people can be synchronized and basically pre-evaluated so that at the shareholder meeting, this whole block of retail investors shows up as one opinion. That could be pretty powerful. And then the second amount of people, and I think in a country like Germany, that's the vast majority, is not really aware of these dynamics, of these power dynamics. I think CEOs are usually portrayed as and perceived as incredibly powerful people that, yeah, the ultimate power in a company. and It's an interesting learning from, yeah, that you get in like business schools and studying economics that that's actually not the case. I mean, they are powerful within the company, but then every year they need to show up and answer questions to shareholders and be responsible for what happened. And they can get fired for fucking it up and they can get totally new, what do you say, like goals to achieve, right? I think like business people are in the end really good at achieving goals, but it doesn't have to be money. If you look at something like SpaceX or Tesla, you can give a company a totally different goal um, or even the Norwegian Sovereign Fund, a big big investor. They, they're not just curious about money. They also have other goals to achieve like being socially responsible and the CEO will go after these goals, whatever goals you give them. So I think this is a piece of sort of knowledge that would need to be transported through really good marketing. So I could see some fun. If someone were to build this app, I would go and do really cool viral videos on that show that power in action, like how it, it could work and how that's a very feasible thing to to influence a CEO to do something completely, something completely unthought of before.
0: I think it will also be an interesting reality check, you know, in the sense that I think most people, if you ask them, then usually they would, at least it's my experience, like most, like you know, retail investors or like just private individuals, if you would ask them, then they're very easy to judge on uh, certain things that companies do, you know, like on a moral level. But I think at the same time, you know, like tying their own judgment of, Of what they would like to see others doing and then like you know like put your money where your mouth is and be a shareholder of the same company and still be consistent with your actions of what you would like this company to do but at the same time being aware that this might decline at least on a short-term level the valuation of the company where you being a shareholder so i think it would be interesting you know to, to to maybe also on a larger scale to change a bit the perception of most people in society and then be like are you more towards maximizing your own profit money on your bank account at the end of the month or are you really evil are you actually willing to accept less maximizing of cap for your own capital for uh making certain moral decisions that you would prefer and i mean that's essentially what everything is about right i think most people don't realize this like companies like no one is per se evil It's just companies are like in their own bubble, the individual ecosystems with the goal of maximizing profit, but not because they're inherently evil, but because the shareholders of that company, the owners, they are the ones who are driving this. They're the ones who keep saying, no, I don't care. At the end of the month, I want to have more money on my bank account. That's the main reason, like what most companies judge uh, decisions are driven by. So um,
1: I think actually this is, this could be the biggest contribution to society of such an app. I think it will be interesting to hook people onto the app by telling them that, look, this is the way that you can make decisions and you can stop Monsanto from scamming farmers in developing world, or you can stop Volkswagen from building combustion engines. But I think what we would see is people do this and then they start to figure out that like there is a price tag to some of these actions. Like um, Surely there are a lot of things going on that are just bad for the price, for the money, for the dividends and the future value of the company, and they're bad for the environment, just look at Tesla. But there's also a lot of decisions where it's like you can't have both. You know, protecting the environment here would mean you lose money. And it would be quite interesting to see how most people then decide. But no matter how they decide, I think it would lead to a more honest world. That's awesome. Fair enough, yeah. Since we talk about
0: structure or like centralized players like Robin Hood, et cetera, wouldn't blockchain also be an interesting uh, case for democratized finance? Like, you know, the decent, like DeFi, especially decentralized finance or the decentralization of financial services?
1: Yeah, totally. So I think that the whole, okay, how can we make voting rights accessible to retail investors is sort of separate because um, anything that has to deal with securities and highly regulated and anything that's highly regulated, you might put it on the blockchain, but it would be most likely a a private blockchain so the government would still want to have like they might implement implement a blockchain for cost saving reasons but they wouldn't really want to make it yeah uncontrollable they would still want to have a backdoor they want to have a a process to to influence things and so i think DeFi has a lot of interesting use cases like i'm a huge fan of prediction markets where where you can perfectly work with DeFi polymarkets.com if you're looking for an example but i think with securities it's a bit more tricky but maybe you can take parts of that right like maybe an app could, could use that to register the votes in a safe way. And so everyone can check that that's actually the, the way most people have voted. But I think as soon as it touches the core of the financial system that's, that's regulated, I think it's quite tricky. Because you would have to convince the government and the government, you know, the way they use blockchain, most likely, you might as well use a database, like a normal normal database. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. I mean, I but think... What, what are your, your thoughts on DeFi? I mean, you, you you surely have a lot of expertise and exposure to this. space, right.
0: Oh, I think it's super interesting for lots of use cases. But I, I mean, I'm not as deep into it as others, of course. I'm of a, block, like a blockchain rounder. I would say, looking at different business models from a high-level perspective, I find it super interesting to everything that revolves that around crypto assets. Uh, I think it's uh, predestined to, to work with a lot of uh, DeFi solutions, like you know crypto lending, crypto prediction markets, decentralized crypto exchanges, everything, you know, that crypto assets are very easy, I think, to implement on smart contracts, where you can have different products uh, being built. So Super interesting area, as you said, when it comes to securities, like, you know, like securities relating to real life assets, like real life in a sense, like, you know, Bitcoin is a digital asset or cryptocurrencies are digital assets. So like this, the existence of the asset itself is stored digitally. In case of shares or securities, you know, like companies. I'm not as not deep enough myself to fully understand the legal implications at this point, but, you know, just thinking of, well, a company in the end of the day is still like a central entity with physical headquarters in some country where there's some regulation and some, some, you know, police that can pay a visit the next day. So I'm not sure how much that can be decentralized or completely decentralized, at least. I think to a huge degree it can, I mean, you can also have decentralized exchanges that trade securities, I guess. The question is just, you know, like wh- where's the turning point in terms of regulation when it comes to, are those assets like valid in real life so there's a discussion for itself i guess but trade republic or especially uh, robin hood has given us a beautiful and brilliant example of why centralization sucks and uh, why central companies they can fail us and they can try to fuck us over and you know like being unreliable i mean the fact that robin hood you know like stopped trading of game stocks was like a, it's, a huge, it's considered a huge scandal like by like you know like thousands of individual traders and i'm really curious to see how the next month go for the company because I'm not sure I you know how pessimistic it will be, but I heard so many people already saying that they think that's going to be the, the beginning of the end of Robin Hood because they're going to get so many uh, legal uh, class action lawsuits like against them. So interesting, yeah. uh, I think they even wanted to do an IPO, right? I
1: think that would lead to a disaster if they were to do an IPO like soon. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) The future
0: of uh, finance, uh, the next 15 years, is going to be very, very interesting, and we're going to see a lot of blockchain use cases here for sure. Just often because it's more efficient and and, you know, just uh, also cheaper. And uh, people also underestimate how outdated. A lot of processes are in the in the finance sector like you know like because we, i think people like they don't work with finance they always associate finance with those shiny towers in wall street but they often don't see you know how many like just how old for some banks even the the database structure they use you know, sometimes it's up to 50 years uh, old structure in terms of the software and stuff so and there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff and for this democratized finance case i think um robin uh, like wall street bets and GameStop was a first indicator where we could observe that this is a topic combined with social media that will have a lot of interesting potential for the future and i'm looking forward to whatever comes and in the meantime as i always like to say uh, I always i always um, I picked it up from other leaders in the industry is just huddle yeah
1: let's hope so i just hope that the the criticism of robin hood doesn't like decrease interest in finance now that would be pretty sad if people are so suspicious now that they don't invest at all. No, they just um, need new solutions.
0: I think that's Yeah. The, yeah just that's that's mm-hmm. the key. Definitely. And since
1: everything is more online
0: and, and, you know, the internet has opened up so many opportunities, I mean, Robin Hood already has been a revolution for many So trade Republic, right? That you can suddenly, like, start day trading within seconds, you know, uh, compare that to 10 years ago. I mean, you had to open up, like, uh, the depot bank at, you know, your house bank somewhere and, like, it was a pain in the ass process and you cannot do, like, immediate trading. And technology is the key driver for change and progress. And it has shown so many exciting results last year's independent from finance uh, already. So it's going to be interesting thanks yeah. yes for sure yes definitely cool then i would say that's it for today thanks everyone for listening in and uh, if you have any questions or feedback feel free to reach out to us and uh yeah thanks jan looking forward to the next episode likewise all right bye